Hello everyone, welcome to Venice on Films, the podcast where I talk about um, movies and TV news, or TV and film news, I don't know, um, this intro is literally going to change every time I say it, so yeah, um, there's a lot of news, a lot of um, frustrating news, I guess like on a personal level, not even on a personal level, like it has nothing to do with me, I guess I'm just being selfish and just saying like, from a fan point of view, it is a little um, sad, but also, I guess, very, very much understood. And so, um, I don't want to waste any more time. This actually might be a shorter episode. It's just me, um, but I wanted to release something on Wednesdays. Um, they usually release around noon, the episodes, and I'm going to try to do that every single week, just because um, I really like doing this. It's a lot of work editing and everything, but it's fun. It's fun. Um, and all I can say is I think just like following or subscribing or whatever, like whatever the platform you're listening to this on, doing whatever you can to just, you know, yeah, I guess, um, support this, this little show in a way. I think it's free, right? Following is free. Subscribing is free. Um, and yeah, I think you should do that and maybe send a link to an episode or two to a friend. Um, so I'm going to get started with the news and I don't know what I'm starting with. I wrote these notes yesterday night. So, um, yeah, let's get into it. Oh, okay. I know what we're talking about. So, um, so they're making a live action How to Train Your Dragon movie. I think most people have heard of this at least. And yeah, so the movie is starring Mason Thames and Nico Parker. So Mason, he was in The Black Phone. And Nico Parker, I guess most people would recognize her from The Last of Us. And yeah, so allegedly the live action film has begun filming. And of course, this is based on the animated films of the same name from DreamWorks. And I don't know, I guess, I guess I don't. I don't necessarily see anything positive when it comes to... I don't really see anything positive with this just because, like, I feel like the How to Train Your Dragon movies are some of the best animated movies. I think it is one of the best animated franchises ever, actually. Um, they're, I mean, like, fa financially and critically successful, so both of those things, they got that down. But it's just frustrating seeing the fact that they're always they being like studios always want to convert these these animated films into live action just because I don't necessarily think we need to do that um you know like I'm sure that it'll be fine um I don't see how you can get any worse than the Disney live action films so I think I don't know I guess like DreamWorks might have a better handling of this. I hope they do. It's just, there's so much about these movies that require animation to tell the story. Um, I think, again, animation as a visual me medium, I mean, film, all films are, but specifically the way animation tells a story through the style is really important. And I think that these movies are really 
I think these movies thrive because they are animated movies. Like, I feel like translating the magic of the animation into live action is not going to translate well. They're probably going to make it so, like, gray and dull, which I hope they don't, but I'm just saying, like, that's usually what happens with live action films. Like, I, I just think that's what happens when they convert animation to live action. And so I don't necessarily hope that's the... I don't hope that's the case, obviously. I hope that this is they find a way to like bring um the color and everything that the animation entails at, at least they can like translate it as closely as they can you know like these films obviously um have to do with dragons and they're like a little bit like a little bit of like fantasy elements and stuff like that and i feel like it'll be really hard to make these movies look good just because as we know cgi a lot of the artists are overworked and underpaid and of course that then translates to work that isn't necessarily the greatest so i'm just saying like these movies involve dragons like even if it is a live action there's only so much of the film that is going to be live action like a lot of it will be cg um computer generated a lot of it will have tech tech aspects and so I, uh, I don't know, like, I, sh basically what I'm saying is, like, I, I don't think we should adapt animated films into live action, because I feel like it is just disrespectful to the artists, but also just, like, the medium in general, but anyways, the movie, um, apparently, the How to Train Your Dragon movie, the live action adaptation is reportedly being filmed currently, and so it will be released um, eventually. I have no idea when, but yeah. Let's move on to the movie of the summer, possibly the movie of the year. I, it's probably the movie of the year, but basically um, Barbie had its world premiere and so a lot more people have seen it. It's being considered a really great film, to put it simply. A lot of people are calling it a triumph. A lot of people are really praising the script and the performances of Margot Robbie and Brian Gosling, but I feel like that, I feel like this really isn't news, but basically what I want to share is that the world premiere happened, a lot of people are praising it, um, and I'm really interested in, I guess we could, we can say seeing the script, I want to, I want to, like, I want to know what the script entails, just because everything that we know about the movie, I don't necessarily, th I think it's going to be a lot weirder than um, what I guess general audiences are expecting. Um, yeah, so I'm really excited that the script has been getting a lot of praise, but then again, it's a Gerwig bombback script, so it's like, I, I don't, I don't, I don't really know what people expected. Like, I, I don't ever expect a bad script from them, specifically when they're working together. They've actually written some of my favorite scripts together, like, Mistress America is actually my favorite script um from either of them but specifically when they were working together um yeah like even including like ladybird and marriage story like things that they've written separately it's still pro probably my favorite thing and knowing that they work together um i guess just like makes me more excited for barbie because they've also written this script together and even if it is IP, and I, I think people who have been listening to all these episodes know how I feel about 
IP and franchising and stuff like that. It's just, it's just cool to know that this is something that they really, really cared about. Um, and I feel like, yeah, this is definitely a project that they've been wanting to do for a really, really long time. So it's just really cool that this, the script is being praised. Um, I'm excited to see how they bring kind of that I don't necessarily know how to describe it, but, like, Bob X movies are very, like, a lot of, like, exist- there's a- there's, like, a tinge of, like, existentialism in them, and, um, I guess, like, the- a lot of their- both of their scripts include, like, characters that are, like, insecure or- or self-loathing, and, um, uh, I think a couple of weeks ago they released a clip and it shows like Barbie's like breaking down and like saying that she's not good at anything and I I, f I feel like it's going to be those little things that really solidify this as a, a Gerwig Bombex script and specifically a Gerwig movie and um, I'm really excited just because you know I, f I feel like hearing the fact that this script is being lauded is really exciting and again not to bring up award season but i'm excited to see how that plays out during award season i still think celine song is going to win all of the original screen screenplay awards this season for past lives i don't i feel like barbie might be considered adapted just because it's based off of like characters so maybe they'll win for adapted screenplay yeah, I think I think that's how my I might go. But anyways, side note, I just want to say I th the movie is coming out like in yeah two no oh my god it comes out next week oh my god. Anyways, so the point I'm saying is that the point well that didn't make sense. The point I'm making is that I don't think they 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 really have released a lot. Like they've released the song that Ken sings or like Ryan Gosling sings they released so many clips and like promotional images and I feel like they just need to stop. I know that this is like probably one of the most anticipated films of the year but it's just like we need to I think they need to like tone it down. Um, there's no need for this many trailers and I, I don't necessarily think it's it's getting people less excited. It, I don't necessarily think it's getting people more excited but there's just like an oversaturation with the amount of things that they're releasing. I don't know if it's a good marketing strategy or not. Like, I don't know anything about marketing, but I'm saying it would be nice if we could like, and of course the movie's like almost two hours long, but I'm saying like, do we necessarily need this much to be released before it, before the film is released? I don't know. I don't think so. But anyways, um, yeah, the script for the Barbie movie is being lauded. I'm really excited. Um, honestly, like, as much as I love Margot Robbie, as as much as I think she's going to be a really great lead, um, and I'm hoping that she can be the lead in, like, more films moving forward, I just think that what I'm most excited about is the fact that this is a Greta Gerwig movie. And I'm going to move on before I say anything else. So recently the first trailer for Ridley Scott's Napoleon film was released and I I watched it, obviously, because I needed to report on it. It looks really... I, I'm excited for it. I, I know that it is going to be kind of a longer film, which I don't know. 
I don't, yeah, like, I feel like I, I expected that. Um, I think it's gonna be released this Thanksgiving, but, like, American Thanksgiving, um, in theaters, and I honestly think that it's gonna be a really good movie to just, like, watch on a large screen. Um, I, yeah, like, really, Scott is really good at the historical epics. I love Gladiator. Um, it's definitely due for a rewatch. I'm excited for the second one. Just seeing what it's, yeah, what it's all about. Um, and so, yeah, we got the first trailer. Um, it obviously stars Joaquin Phoenix. He is arguably, like, one of the best actors of all time. Um, but yeah, I'm excited to see, like, what he brings to this role. The trailer looked good. I think it, like, showed just enough. But again, this is based on, like, real life. So, it's, I feel, I feel like it'll be, if I was, like, a trailer editor or just, like, someone involved in, like, yeah, like, the making of a trailer, I wouldn't know how to go about doing, like, historic, like, a historical trailer just because you, you, you don't want to, like, showcase the entire life of someone. But anyways, um, yeah, I, I, I feel like I still have a problem with the way the film looks. Again, this isn't the actual film itself, it's just a trailer, but I'm saying it's very, I don't know, like, it feels a little flat. I'm hoping it's not when I see it, like, either on a big screen or wherever I watch it. Um, but I, I really do hope that people go and support this. Um, we know about Ridley Scott's, um, we know how we felt about the last duel flopping and he blamed it on young people which like i i don't like he, he was talking about like how like people watch movies on their phones and i get it i get the sentiment but it's also like people of all ages could go watch movies and so if like no one's showing up then it's not just like one demographic um and it's not just the people that are watching movies on their phones that are like making this type of movie fail at the box office but you have to understand that period pieces specifically like these more historical ones it's really hard for them to make money specifically in the in in the industry nowadays or like the way the box office works and yeah like the current state of the box office i think it's really hard for them to make money so i really do hope that with the release of napoleon like people go out and support it um I don't know, I just think there's something about these, like, historical epics that a lot of people don't really care for. At least, I, I guess, like, general audiences. I think a lot of film fans are excited because it is Ridley Scott and because it is Joaquin Phoenix and, like, even Vanessa Kirby's involvement in the film a lot of people have been talking about. But it's, yeah, I think we just need to, like, take into consideration that a lot of these films, a lot of people don't necessarily care for them. Um, but... I'm hoping to be wrong and like people actually go and support it and it makes more money than at least the last duel. Um, but I don't necessarily know what really Scott expects from audiences nowadays. Like I, I don't know. And um, I don't necessarily know if any filmmaker can really have expectations or even be upset when their movie doesn't do well, unless it's 
like unless it's like a a surefire hit like like something that is connected to ip and yeah i don't know but we got the first trailer the trailer is really good like i, I like the way it was edited and stuff uh we also got some new posters for the film as well so yeah um i hope people go out and support it um i i think i plan to i say i think it sounds kind of like ominous but um yeah i hope people go out and support it this next piece of news like actually uh, i can't say anything about this next piece of sorry i moved my mic again that is that will happen off often but i'm just saying like i think i think this type of news really just pisses me off because movies are getting so annoying and i know this whole podcast is dedicated to them and to tv shows but just the current state of filmmaking is really really annoying i just think the people who are the I don't even want to call them stars because they're not stars, but the people who are like at the front of the box office, whether like the actors or the directors, they they literally have like they either have no respect for the, the just like filmmaking in general, or they're just like so boring and predictable, and nothing about them makes me excited. And yeah, um. I don't know where I was going with this, but I'm going to get into the news. So basically, um, it was confirmed that Jennifer Garner is returning as Elektra in Deadpool 3. And of course, this was already confirmed a little while ago, but in Deadpool 3, Hugh Jackman is also set to return as Wolverine. So um, the news about Elektra and Jennifer Garner was released one day. And then like the next day, there was onset photos of Hugh Jackman as Wolverine. He has a new suit. Um, it's yellow. He finally got his yellow suit. It has long sleeves, which I'm not a fan of. They need to lose the sleeves. But yeah, anyways, we got the new onset photos. We got confirmation that Jennifer Garner is returning as Elektra. I just... I I didn't even hate the Elektra movie with Jennifer Garner. Like, I thought it was... There's definitely, like, something campy about it. And I guess, like, inspiring in a way. It's just... I don't, I don't care. And I don't even care about like Wolverine returning because nothing about superhero movies or comic book movies feels real to me. Like these movies are so vapid and useless and just they're there to sell merch and like products and to get like people like clapping like seals just everything about them feels so stupid i don't care anymore i just wish people would just convert their attention to something else and care about anything that isn't like ip or like comic book related or franchise related i think the way i just said comic book was really off but anyways i don't like i don't care about these movies and i know i don't speak for everyone like obviously a lot of people do care for these but i just like Movies are so annoying, like, the No Way Home effect really just fucked up the entire industry. Just, I, oh my god, I don't know, I don't know. I, like, I can't believe, like, people actually care about this kind of stuff. Like, I can't believe, not even, like, people, but, like, adults. Like, I can't believe adults actually genuinely find 
like happiness in the fact that actors are coming back to these characters like at this point they're not even real people they become their characters and it's just kind of annoying i i don't know like first of all the deadpool movies are extremely annoying i don't like them the comedy is awful the action sequences are just i don't even know what to say it's just everything about them are really annoying and the fact that this is kind of be it's gonna it's gonna be like deadpool making jokes about and like breaking the fourth wall the entire time and making jokes about how these characters are coming back and it's like oh wolverine was dead in logan and now he's not it's gonna be so irritating like i'm i'm probably gonna avoid this movie at all costs but it's just like why do people actually care about this kind of thing and then i get i get there's a nostalgia factor to it but like nostalgia is a disease like i think people really need to understand that and it's like not good but i just like i don't know basically what i'm saying is jennifer garner if you're listening to this like we need to get you in your own action action film i feel like she would kill it in or an action comedy yeah um that's all i'm saying an original one with a cool character design and none of this ip franchise sequel whatever you want to call it stuff i'm gonna move on before i say anything else that is mean even though i have been for the past like five minutes but it's it's fine we will move on I, I think this is happier news from, I guess, like a film fan point of view, a cinephile, if you will, point of view. So the Coen Bo- Bro- Blow, whoa, I'm so sorry. I've just, sometimes I just talk, you know, and it doesn't sound nice, but what I was going to say is the Coen brothers are reuniting on a project. It was confirmed by. I'm pretty sure it was confirmed by Ethan. Um, they are officially reuniting. We don't really have any information about the new project. They just said that they're going to be working together again. And yeah, I think that's really cool. You know, we got we got Joel did his own thing with uh, the tragedy of Macbeth. Um, and Ethan is kind of in his B-movie bag. I don't even want to call it a B-movie, but um, Drive Away Dolls is releasing this September i'm really really excited for that film like i i love a good like road trip i love a good road trip movie just everything i know about it is it kind of feels like like a movie that i know i would love and again like i don't necessarily know that like i uh, i yeah like i don't i don't necessarily think you can like claim to know that you're gonna like something but everything i do know about it it feels very on brand for me and I'm excited about it for that reason. Yeah, so Drive Away Dolls this September. I think everyone should go watch it. It's an original film. Um, yeah. What what more can you say, right? Ethan Cohen is going to be... He directed that. And yeah, so they both... Conf- I don't know if they both confirmed it, but Ethan confirmed that they're going to be reuniting. And I... I, I I don't know like I feel like they are them working together is definitely getting a lot of people it's getting a lot of people excited again because you know 
why why not like when you made something as good as no country for old men i feel like you could do whatever you want you could work with your brother or you could work solo but yeah i think people are just excited to see them working together again now that they kind of went through like solo routes it's kind of like when a group breaks up and then they're like oh yeah we're doing a reunion tour we're gonna release a new album and like yeah we're hitting all the big cities i think that's kind of like what people are feeling now but um I don't necessarily think it's also like not the same thing because they didn't necessarily break up. They were just, you know, doing their own thing for a little while. Um, but yeah, we got it confirmed. Uh, new project. And again, I think everyone needs to go watch Driveway Dolls this September because we need more original films and more road trip films and more like buddy comedies, I guess we could call them. Although. Although I think there are layers to there. But anyways, I'll move on. I've been speaking a lot about this next director. Just because he, I his projects are so cool. And I feel like, yeah, that's yeah, that's a good way to put it. That's, that's a good, simple way to put it. He's just a really cool director. And so, yeah, Luca Guadagnino, he is actually going to direct an HBO series. It is going to be an adaptation of Brett Easton Ellis's novel, The Shards. So, Brett Easton Ellis, of course, he is most known for American Psycho. And, yeah. So, Luca Guadagnino, he already directed a series, an original series for HBO a little while back called We Are Who We Are. I liked it. Um, there were a lot of, like, the, the characters were... How do I say? The characters were really nuanced and very layered. And I think that's what happens in all his projects. You don't necessarily get like these like flat characters. You get these characters that are really human and feel very humanized. And so, yeah, he is directing another HBO series. Again, this is an adaptation of The Shards. And The Shards is set in a fictionalized Los Angeles. It's going to take place in the 80s, so 1981. And yes, so there is a serial killer and he is targeting a group of high school friends, but they're not just any kind of like high school group of friends. They are privileged. And so yeah, the serial killer is targeting them. What I really, really love, and I feel like I've spoken about this like on other projects, um, Luca's Luca's representation I don't even think representation is the right word but the way he yeah I guess we could say the way he depicts young people is really really inspiring to me I feel like not a lot of directors write young people in a realistic way it's either they're very yeah I guess like vapid or very much cliches or on the other hand they're just like overtly like sexualized or even made to be too grown up if that even is a thing and I feel like Luca finds a space in the middle and I don't even want to say that he finds a space in the middle he's kind of like he's kind of like in a category of his own when it comes to the representation of young people in his projects because he handles their stories with such um care and kindness and empathy 
that I think is really, really missing from a lot of projects nowadays, specifically from, like, the point of view thinking of how these young people are being represented by adults who aren't those young people. And of course, they were young once, but I, for some reason, adults forget how to write young people or, like, even how to portray them from, like, a directing point of view. And yeah, so I I think I'm really excited just to see this project because, of again, Luca's great, but above all else, this does focus on young people, and I think that's what's so, so cool here. I also like the fact that it's taking place in LA in the 80s. Looking at that culture and time um, is really, really going to be... I think, I think it'll be great, honestly. Just, there's something about Luca in the 80s that just, you know, like, hits different. And, yeah. So, there's also, like, a lot of the political aspects of the 80s that, although it might not be directly, like, included in the, 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 the adaptation. Again, I haven't, unfortunately, I haven't read the, um, the, the shards, but it's, it's something that Luca does really good when he is, I I guess like all his, really like all his projects, but especially the ones that take place in the 80s, there are like political aspects that are pulled into the story, whether they be like overt or not, whether even if they are subtle. And yeah, so I, I'm excited to see if he does play play with that and yeah so he is adapting for hbo which actually before i end this i just want to say i feel like any any hbo like i guess we could this is going to be a mini series most likely any hbo mini series that is based on a book is usually really really good sharp objects hmm sharp objects is probably like top five tv for me honestly like I don't know. I, I know it is a miniseries, so it, I can't necessarily consider it like a television show, but or like a like an ongoing series. But it definitely is top five for me. Just the adaptation to the book was it was pretty it was pretty like tight. It was pretty um it was pretty like connected to the book and well adapted. Um, there are there were changes, obviously. Like I don't necessarily mind changes. Um, but I just think of what, yeah, like what Jean-Marc Vallée did with sharp objects. I don't necessarily know if we can ever replicate something like that ever again. And I think HBO, the studio, chooses really great books to to adapt into series. So yes sorry about that pause. So yes, uh, Luca Guadagnino is adapting Brett Easton Ellis's The Shards for HBO, and I'm super excited about this. And LA in the 80s, there's, there's so much like rich culture there, and I'm excited to see how that gets put into this story and this miniseries. I guess we could call it a miniseries. Yeah. Yeah. I, mm, I, I don't know. I don't know how to transition, but basically, um, unfortunately, when I'm recording this and editing this, 
I haven't seen it yet just because I, it hasn't been released, but we are getting the first trailer for Wonka. This is, of course, starring Timothy Chalamet as Billy Wonka, I guess. It's an origin story. It's also starring Olivia Colman, and it's directed by Paul King. Like, those three names alone, like, what more could you want from this, like, kind of comedy musical type thing? Like, that's just, like, a recipe for success right there. So, again, the trailer... So again, the trailer is being, sorry, I glitched there for a second. So the the trailer is being released today when I'm recording it. Um, it'll be out by the time this episode is out. So yeah, uh, head over and watch it. Learn a little bit about the film, what it's all about. Um, yeah, Paul King, Paul King directing Wonka. Like what else could you want, right? You know what else I could want? I could want, um, uh, you know, like an actually good trailer because um i finally watched it um i had time before um uploading this to watch the trailer and it literally looks awful timothy's acting is so flat sorry to timothy like i have a shirt with his face on it and everything like i'm a timothy girl but it's so bad like it's so flat he's not changing his voice or anything it just looks like i don't even want to say normal acting but you understand what i'm saying when i say that um i can't find the right words right now because i'm just like I'm just, I, like, what? Like, anyways, like, when you think of Wonka, you think of this, like, wacky, like, weird character, and it's just, like, not giving that, and I know it's an origin story, but still, like, it's, it's not clicking for me, um, and you know what? I'm gonna just say that Sally Hawkins is in it, and, um, she's cool, so I just hope the movie is fun, because that trailer was not giving anything, um, it wasn't doing anything for me, and, um, yeah, let's move on. Okay, I... This is actually, like, pretty exciting just because I love this distributor. Um, yeah, so Michael Mann's Ferrari uh, movie it is confirmed to be released this December 25th, so Christmas. Um, it is starring Adam Driver and... Neon has actually just acquired the film. Neon is responsible for distributing and producing some of the best movies of all time, but at least, yeah, like, best movies of all time, but, like, I'm, I guess, like, in recent memory, they have released some of the best movies from recent times, but also just, like, in general of all time. Um, so, for example, Parasite, Portrait of a Lady on Fire, um, it literally sweeps the Cannes Film Festival, like, every single year, um, when it comes to the, um, the camera door, is that what it's called? Palm door, oh my god, I don't know why I f forgot that, but anyways, yeah, Neon has acquired the film, um, and it's going to be releasing this year. I'm excited for it, I, I, I don't mind, I, I lied, I don't, usually like biopics but but when it but when they're done correctly like obviously I have no problem with them like I think Pablo Lorraine is probably the best biopic director because the way he looks at yeah I guess the way he looks at or just the way he portrays these real life women and again I'm specifically thinking of Jackie and Spencer these are these are two movies that really handle 
what happened to these women with care. I think it's really refreshing, um, both from a screenplay point of view, but a directing point of view, to see someone look after these real people who existed with such an enormous amount of empathy. Um, and I feel like biopics a lot of the time, um, yeah, I don't, I think that's definitely something that is missing from biopics nowadays. A lot of it is for shock value or just trying to, like, tell a story without necessarily knowing why you are trying to share this story with a larger audience. But, yeah, I'm excited to see, like, what Michael Mann does with the person behind, you know, like, Ferrari. Um... On another note, I don't I don't know how I feel about releasing movies on Christmas. Like I don't I don't think I've ever met someone who like actually goes to the movies on Christmas weekend. Like I feel like most people spend it with their family and they're not going to watch a movie. So from like a box office point of view, I don't necessarily understand it. But then again, like something if it is like a franchise movie, I understand because like families with younger kids can go. But I'm talking of, like, yeah, like, I'm talking of, like, something like, something like this, which is just, like, I don't even necessarily want to call it just, like, a straight biopic, but it's based on real life. I don't necessarily know how that's going to go with, like, audiences over that weekend. But nonetheless, Neon is a great distributor. I don't necessarily know how they hold up for award season. I feel like they kind of like fumbled with Spencer at least. Um, but nonetheless, they acquired it for distribution and I'm excited to see what they do with this film in the long run. But also, yeah, it's just like coming up like what they do with it from uh, uh, an awards consideration point of view and all that type of stuff. Ooh, oof. Oof. That's all I can say, oof. But I'm not even like... Okay, so I have two more things I want to talk about. There's two more pieces of news. I'm going to end with shouting out a movie that is connected to like one of the pieces of news. And then I'll shout out some movies that are dropping in theaters this weekend and that you should go check out kind of like how I always end these things. So let's start, um, let's start out with, uh, this is sad news. Um, <laughs> it's not even sad. Like, from, I, like, I understand, like, if I were in her shoes, I would probably do the same thing. But basically, Renee Rapp is leaving the sex lives of college girls. And, What's happening is she's going to only appear in a handful of episodes of season three, so the upcoming season, and she's not going to be a series regular for the season, and then she's going to completely depart the show after. And for those of you who are unfamiliar with the show, she is one of the four main girls of the show. So yeah, I, I, I guess... I, this is definitely going to change the dynam dynamic just because the show is very much it, it very much surrounds the relationships that the the main four girls have to one another they are roommates and um yeah we've spent two seasons like watching their friendship blossom but also change and um 
yeah, the fact, like, knowing that she will be leaving the show for season, during season three, definitely change a lot, will definitely change a lot of the dynamics. Um, so again, she's only going to appear in a handful of episodes. She won't be a series regular. She'll just have, I guess, like, kind of like a, a guest starring role. And then she'll just completely leave the show. And you have to understand that Renee Rapp is also a, a singer. <laughs> so she she basically is known for, before this show at least, she was known for portraying Regina George on Broadway during in the Mean Girls uh, musical. And yeah, so she got casted also in, cast, casted, whatever. She got cast in the... Um, film adaptation of the musical as Regina George because I feel like the only it was really the only option like I don't think they could have chosen or I don't even think it was a thought in their head to choose or cast anyone else besides Renee in that role for the movie um and so yeah I, I she definitely is gonna be focusing more on her music career what happened is recently she just announced a tour and her album is coming out soon. And then in October, I think, yeah, like in the fall, she's doing um, a headlining tour for the album in support of the album. And it just makes sense from the point of view of her career, kind of like her music career taking off to leave this show. Like she, she most likely won't be able to have time to be on the show and give it the full attention that it deserves but also focus on her music career which is kind of like taking off right now and and yeah so I guess it is upsetting this is definitely a comfort show for me um the the characters are just like so funny and every every like every it, it's a it's a very realistic show in the sense that like anything that can go bad goes bad and they just kind of yeah like the, the characters are just so funny and they're kind of like the people that you would like to be friends with um and you really do feel like you are part of the dynamic of the four main uh girls and yeah I I guess I guess it is upsetting like from the point of view of like being a fan of of the show um and like Layden the character that she's playing having like a really just like good storyline regarding like her identity and I guess coming to terms with it is it was it was really well done and I think a lot of people who yeah like a lot of people who have watched the show have said that that was probably like one of the standouts just because of the way they handled that with such care but I'm also a really big fan of Renee's music and just like her in yeah like just her as a artist whether it be like acting or music and I feel like I can't even be up like mad like I'm definitely not mad like that's it's not even like my place to be mad about it I'm a little like upset that her character won't be included in the show anymore but just from like a realistic like taking the realistic like road here it just makes sense like her leaving makes sense I feel like it might have been something that I saw coming just with the tour announcement. I was like, there's no way that she can, like, I guess, I don't know, like, film and do press for the show and also be on tour. Like, it's kind of hard to manage. And with her album coming out, obviously, that's going to be her focus. It just, yeah, like, there's no possible way to 
there's no possible way to do both at least like if we, like giving both the attention that they deserve but anyways yeah she dropped like a she she like released a little message on like social media about it and yeah she's she's just like really grateful and everything and she's like excited about the future of the show so she's leaving uh the sex lives of college girls but she'll be in season three for a little bit nonetheless like even without her on the show i'm still gonna tune in it again it is really a comfort show and i like the three other main girls um too much to like not you know like continue caring and like tuning into their storyline and seeing where they go and so yeah um all the best to renee and her music career and obviously like i'm snow angel snow angel like that that song the bridge if you haven't listened to it you're missing out but like the bridge on that that song actually goes like the chong yeah yeah exactly i'm i need water yeah the bridge on that song goes like absolutely crazy and um it's just i feel like it's really it's just such a good like first single for the album i'm pretty sure I'm pretty sure today, I'm going to say today because this is going to be released on Wednesday. I think she's dropping a new song um, today. So you should also go listen to that as well. But Snow Angel is just so good. And like the storytelling on that song is really, really good. And so I'm excited for, I'm talking about music now, but um, whatever. Um, and so, yeah, uh, I'm excited just to see like what happens with the show now and like how, how it changes without Layden. Um but yeah and i'm going okay the last piece of news i have is actually this is well sorry the last piece of news is like really really upsetting (laughs) just because like he was one of my like he still is he still is like one of my favorite filmmakers and anyone listening to this who knows anything about me knows exactly who i'm talking about and what i'm going to be talking about next so basically Xavier Dolan is quitting filmmaking and he did an interview with um like a Spanish publication or something along that line and what he said was I don't feel like committing two years to a project that barely anyone sees I put too much passion into it to have these disappointments it makes me wonder if my filmmaking is bad and I know that I know it's not so this kind of got sensationalized and you know a lot of people were talking about how, like, he's saying, like, film is useless and art is useless. And people were like, oh, wait, is he quitting or is he just being, like, cynical or whatever? And so he had to clarify on social media. He posted, like, on Instagram, like, nine slides or whatever. And he basically confirmed that, yeah, he's quitting filmmaking. He's still gonna, he's still gonna uh, be part of, like, making, like, series and stuff like that. But he just feels like, the current state of the world doesn't necessarily inspire him to make films. The current state of the industry specifically is not necessarily something he wants to be involved in. Yeah, so I, I, I want to read like a little bit of the Instagram post just to like, I guess, contextualize it. So he said, I won't have it any other way. I won't be cheaper. I won't be faster. And a little later, he says, I'll always, I'll be always free in how I create and free to create when I choose to or choose not to. So yeah, I think I think the biggest like takeaway here is like the industry really is I guess like draining, but also from like a creative point of view, like uh, it 
it is very like yeah like it just really is draining and and he he is kind of like a perfectionist and he wants to take time on his films and his films are like smaller um smaller budget smaller you know like cast and crew like he's not making like big budget like blockbuster films and so he wants to take the time and like care that this art deserves and i don't necessarily think that's a reality right now with the way everything is going and so yeah he confirmed he's like i'm not making any more movies like i don't want to do them now like i'm not like the world's in a bad place i don't want to make movies like i don't necessarily feel he says that he has a lot of like good memories for making movies and it's because of like the cast and crew and like he felt free to create whatever he wanted when he was on those when he was on those sets but like now he just he doesn't necessarily feel that he does and it isn't necessarily something that he he wants to do and so he's quitting filmmaking and i i i totally understand it like i re i respect it and and it just makes sense like i don't i don't really know how anyone could be a filmmaker now and and not feel a little defeated at least but nonetheless like xavier has given us some really really incredible films i'm gonna talk about one actually for the ending of this film uh for the ending of this episode sorry and it's just he is so young and knowing that he started making such like masterpieces at such a young age is so inspiring for a lot of like filmmakers and for a lot of like young people who want to make films and even though he is quitting i don't necessarily that doesn't necessarily like negate the fact that he has given so much to the world of film and to people who love film and i think he is gonna inspire like a new generation of like really young filmmakers seeing how young he was when he made for example like i killed my mother he was like i think he was like 25 when he created mommy and that is literally one of the best movies ever like, sorry, like, not, not, I'm not even exaggerating, like, I feel like it is considered one of the best, it's, it's definitely, like, if you want to consider it a Canadian film, it is the best Canadian film I've ever made, and, yeah, like, I feel like from a personal point of view, like, as someone who really, really loves his movies, it is upsetting, but again, similar to the Renee Rapp situation, it makes sense, we we can't necessarily forget that these people are humans and they're going to make decisions that we might not necessarily i don't want to say like be happy about but when it comes to their art they have to do what is best for both their art and them as a human being and it, it sucks that we won't ever get another xavier dolan film but he already gave us so many in such a short amount of time and at such a young age and you really can't ask for more than just someone giving you and sharing with you their art so yeah i'm like i'm bummed about it but at the same time you it yeah yeah i have to be happy with what he's given us and he's given us so much and I was thinking about like heartbeats i was actually thinking about like heartbeats the other day and yeah and i was like thinking about it the other day and then he dropped like 
he dropped the news and I was like, oh, well, anyways, um, I, I don't know, like thinking of like, it's only the end of the world and think he, he, he really did like craft a, a very like specific style that I really, really admired, like the utilization of music and lighting and set pieces that really just like melded together in his films in a way that a lot of like filmmakers can't do. Really, really inspiring. Laurence, anyways, I know there's, I, I, I know there is a little bit of like problematics with that movie. I, I get it, and um, and I, I definitely do understand it, and I wish there were certain things about that film that were handled differently. I just really, really love the film, and I think it is one of his best. Um. But of course, like for me, Mommy is definitely like always, always going to be the number one for me. And yeah, actually, I'm going to talk for the movie that I want to shout out, Mommy 2014. It is in my top four for Letterboxd. It has been for a while. It So, you know, yeah, this this news like hurt me. But but yeah, it is one of my favorite movies. Um, If you don't, if you haven't watched it, like go watch it. I think more people just need to watch like Canadian films in general, but this is definitely, like, this is the best Canadian film ever made, like, sorry, but basically it takes place in, um, in a Canada where there's a law passed that parents with troubled children can essentially send their kids to hospitals and have them stay in the hospitals, and yeah, it follows a mother and a son, and the son is, like, troubled, and then there's a neighbor across the street that tries to help them and like tutor the son. I just think that the ending is one of the best endings ever put to film. I I want to I I don't want to like necessarily say what happens because I think you need to watch it. You really just need to watch it for yourself. Um but there is a needle drop. I actually don't even want to spend a lot of time with this 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 ending. But there is a needle drop that is the perfect needle drop. It is Born to Die by Lana Del Rey and you know, like, Xavier Dolan, he is known for his needle drops and music utilization throughout all his films, but the needle drop in this one is just so good. It literally is. It solidified, okay, the whole movie is a masterpiece, but it really solidified the movie as a masterpiece for me because of, like, the reasoning behind it, and it's just, like, such a smart decision. It feels like an obvious decision when you, like, when you think of the title and, like, what that implies, but it's just so smart. Like, I love it. And, um, it's an incredible film. You really should watch it. And I am going to shout out some movies that are coming to theaters this week, or this weekend, I should say, and you should go watch them. Let's, let's shout out, uh, this movie doesn't need to be a shout out. Um, so Mission Impossible 7, Dead Reckoning Part 1, that's what it's called. Um, it is in theaters today, actually. It is releasing on Wednesday for, like, early, like, not necessarily early screenings, but it'll be in theaters this weekend, but it's also dropping today. Um, you should go watch it. I've heard really, really good things about it, and if we can support, if we can, if we can support big blockbusters, at least let's support the big ones, uh, the good ones, sorry. Um, and yeah, I, I feel like the Mission Impossible films have just kind of, like, the stakes are higher, but, like, the quality is also just a lot better in these last couple of ones, and yeah, so, um, it's in theaters, go watch it, 
The budget is like 290 million, which is insane. I don't, again, we've had the budget talks many, many times on this, on this podcast. It's just insane to me to think that a movie could cost 290 million. Like, I don't, I don't get it. Like, I, why? Um, it's just, yeah, like, I don't, I don't know. It's gonna need a lot of money to make back that budget. So, uh, yeah, go support it, go watch it. And, um, thanks for listening. Um, rest in peace, Xavier Dolan. He's not dead. He's just not making movies anymore. And that's terrible for me on a personal level. But anyways, you should go watch his movies, all of them. And thanks for listening.